<laughs> uh, it's good to see everyone that made it back out tonight, and uh, I pray the Lord will bless our uh, second service. Uh, we appreciate all those that tune in. Um, as you can tell, I made a little bit of difference to our um, our daily or Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning bulletin. And uh, when you take a look at the bulletin, you'll see that there are or just a few little things we'd like to stir up a little bit and see how well we can do such uh, to keep the interest so that we won't forget. We also added, like I said, on the prayer list, uh, those churches that are in need. Uh, so any of our pastors that are uh, letting us know that we need to pray for them or whatever they may be facing, we need to be praying for them as well. We'll add them to the prayer sheet. I had the pleasure the other day of uh, visiting with Brother uh, Pete Horn. And uh, I don't use this time to laud Brother Pete, but you know, here's a man that he has fought a good fight, and like the Apostle Paul, he is facing the end of his life. Uh, unlike the Apostle Paul, who uh, would have his head severed from his shoulders, uh, Pete knows that he has but a short time because of the disease that he's carrying in his body, but truthfully, he was very much at peace. And don't you wish we all had that kind of peace when the time comes over for us to cross over into the Jordan land? And uh, I had a good time with visiting with Pete. I had a good time visiting with his family and, uh, of course, about his wife. And we need to be in prayer for our dear brother as uh, he faces uh, the journey that is ahead of him. And uh, again, I told him, I said, whatever we can do as a church, let us know. And we'll be glad to uh, help out in any way that we can. Take your Bibles and let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 12. The title of this sermon today is, How Much Time? How Much Time? Now, what preluded this was, the question that came to me was um, something that disturbed my sleep on Friday night. Uh, again, I had visited and made some visits, and uh, you know, it's amazing how much the brain processes while you try to sleep. Uh, it doesn't go to sleep as well, and uh, it's grabbing this information, that information, it's trying to put it all together. And I was a little bit alarmed by it, uh, mainly because of how much that I'm seeing uh, in this world today, which is preparing for the coming of the Savior. We're seeing so much of the elevation of wickedness in every facet of the, uh, the area. And in fact, I'll, I'll tell you what really helped bring it along the place. If you have one of these, if you have a cell phone now, I'm not talking about all the scratches and everything are all mine, but if you have a cell phone, would you get that out for me right, real quick? I'd like for everybody to do that. And I want you to see something. Uh, I, in fact, I carry two cell phones, one for work, one for pleasure. Um, and I got the bigger one out, the, uh, and it says here that I got two messages. I don't know what they're from. But how many of you all notice that there's a camera on that? How many of you realize that so many of the devices we have in our homes have cameras? Now we have, right now, I'm, I'm uh, being recorded on uh, the, using a cell phone that Brother Joe and I got for the uh, church as well to record this and it's now being broadcasted on Facebook. But may I point this out to you? The camera can actually flip around and you not be aware of it. Do you realize that your privacy has been taken away in ways that you never expected? How many of you all watch YouTube? Anyone here use you, watch YouTube? How many of you all notice that when you're uh, going on to another website and maybe you have 
uh, looked at Google A or whatever, and you're, uh, you're, you're focusing on maybe a weed eat or whatever. And then you go back to Facebook, and all of a sudden everything on Facebook is going to be also about weed eaters. Or if you're watching a series on YouTube, if you've got a little button down on the bottom and you click it over, every video that it's going to show you is what you see on YouTube. It is inevitable that these things are going to happen. The reason is there is a large conglomerate that is out there that is focusing upon you. Now here's the thing that's interesting. How many of you realize that that's actually handled by a machine? They call it artificial intelligence. We're going to get into that a little bit today, but beforehand, I'd like for us to go to Luke chapter 12. We're going to read 10 verses, beginning in verse 13. And notice what it says. And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, uh, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he brought within himself, he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, and will build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, I love this part, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose food, or who shall those things be? Shall thou be provided, which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he saith unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, neither for the body, neither shall what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Let us pray. Father, again, I want to thank you for your blessings. Lord, please forgive me for the mistakes that I've made in the reading of thy word. And Lord, I pray that you will just continue to bless and guide and help us to understand the things that you have written. Again, Lord, we can study these things and we can read these things, but unless we apply them, I know that, Father, that we fail. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide and watch over us and help us in all that we say and do. And, Lord, may we follow after you in all that we do. And again, Lord, just continue to provide for us, use us, and, Lord, may we have a heart that is willing to be used of you in a beautiful powerful way. And we will rejoice in thy name, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. As I was standing the other night, around 2 a.m., I guess this was on Friday night, Saturday morning, I started having thoughts that were affecting my sleep. And I woke up right awake, uh, um, and after I laid back down, I tried to, to rest for a while, and I couldn't go back to sleep right away. I eventually fell back to sleep. But it wasn't until I allowed my thought to be distracted away from what was there. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but there are times that we have things that are given to us, and I believe by God for us to have as a warning. The reality is, is that the more I thought about it, the more I worried about this little flock that, that God has placed me as pastor over. And as I began to think about this congregation, I thought about Johnstown, 
and I thought about what Brother Peter's facing. I, I thought about the information that's been passed on to me about artificial intelligence and everything under the sun. And I realized, do you realize we're this close to the coming of the Lord? Now, I, I want you all to be aware of that. Now, I want you to go back and think about Nazi Germany and, and the things that happened there. Do you realize that, uh, and that the final solution that Nazi Germany had was to basically rip and plunder everybody, including churches, of what they had so that they had no finances? We might think that we're financially secure as a church, but do you realize that in just a moment that can be taken away? Do you realize that people are constantly trying to hack into our accounts? through banks or whatever, trying to make a, a great mistake there, or they're hacking into uh, our own personal information. I think Sister Carla and I know our own church account one time was uh, hacked up because uh, someone decided that they wanted to have their face in, instead of my face on the account. And I thought, why is it that people all the time need to interrupt what we're doing? And the, uh, and the reason is obvious. The reason that the people want to interrupt is because they want to confuse the message. So let me be clear. If we knew that we had one day left, now think about this for a moment. Everybody on the same mindset. If I had one day left, and I guess this was after visiting with Brother Pete, how would I spend that day? Now I'm going to give you an example of someone who knew that he had a little bit of time left. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and let's hold our place here in the book of Luke. And we're going to go over to the book of Genesis and we're going to go to chapter 19. Now some of you are right way ahead of me since I said to that chapter. But I want us to think just for a moment in chapter 19 of a man called Lot. Now, I want you to get this in chapter 19 of the book of, Law, uh, in the book of Genesis. We're going to be going to verse 1, and we're going to read that for about 11 verses to see what we have there. Now, notice it says in verse 1 of chapter 19 of the book of Genesis, And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and, uh, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now, isn't it interesting that they said they were going to be in the street all night? Lot knew exactly what was going to happen if they did. Lot was not, he was not ridiculous. He, was, he understood the dangers of being in the street. And he pressed them, them greatly, and they turned into him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did break unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they had laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round around, both old and they called on the Lord. experience with them. And Lot went out to the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Verse 8, Behold, now I have two daughters. Isn't it interesting? To preserve men, they are willing to sacrifice women. That's sad. Which have not known men, let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as 
as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow. together as I was considering the example that we have with Lot. Number one, Lot knew the condition of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now understand this is that when Lot first came out of uh, the lands where he and Abraham had been and the feet and the flocks had become so great that there was a strife between the herdsmen that Abraham said, now Lot, you look upon the land, and wherever you go, where, if you take the north, I'll take the south, you take the west, I'll take the east, wherever you go, you go in one direction, I'll go into the other. And Lot cast his eyes upon the plains of Sodom. And when he looked upon the plains, he turned around and went, ah, that's beautiful, that's where I want to go. There's lots of lush grass, there's lots of lush water, there's many things there that are there, and there's a little tiny city over there. You know, I tell this to people all the time. Before you really engage in going to one place or another, ask yourself, what am I going to face when I get there? Now, understand this, is that I knew when this church was considering me for pastor, what I was going to face here in this West Virginia Valley. I knew the, the tri-state area. I grew up in this area. And sadly, we are seeing a change that is creeping over us. Maybe not as much sodomy, maybe not as much other things that we would like to think about, but it is still with us. I tell people this all the time, that they are trying to force upon us things that we know is not biblical. Did you notice that Lot is biblical approach? And in fact, when Lot had come to a point to where that some of the Moors kings decided that they were going to uh, accept the attacks of foreign nations, Lot lost everything. His wives, his children, his wife, his children, possessions and everything. And it was only by the due course of Abraham and his small band that they were able to go back and win everything that was lost. Isn't it interesting? Even Abraham knew about the condition of Sodom and Gomorrah, such that when the king said, now you just take whatever you want, you know, don't you worry about the spoil we got, and he goes, I'm not taking one penny from you. I imagine Abraham was right, you know, put his bony little finger right up that guy's nose and said, I'm not taking anything from you because you'll turn And what they deserve is the only thing that will be taken. But you're not going to give me a penny. Just give me Lot and give me his family. So at the moment that Lot had the opportunity to be freedom, he didn't entertain that freedom. Instead, and I want you to get this, he sat at the gate of Sodom. What do you think that was? More than anything, Lot desired to be a man of wisdom, a man of respect. Now, I want you to think about this. 
We are a small group of people that right now we desire wisdom and the things of God and the things of respect. How many of us outside of our circle, now I'm talking about other Baptist churches that are in this area, how many of the world know something about us? It's been a long time, but I remember many years ago I worked at a little company called Airborne Express. We had overnight delivery, and I ran their flight simulator section. And we were building, we, we were training and things like that, and one day someone came up to the guardhouse and said, I'm looking for a true Christian. Why in the world would someone say, I'm looking for a true Christian? Now here was as well. But the guard said, if you want to know a man of God that you can rely upon, he pointed me out. That's pretty amazing if you ask me. Not too long ago, I had someone, I told you about this, how that I walked through a Walmart, and someone said, you know, just brought up all kinds of things about uh, where my faith was at, what I believed in, and, and what does the Bible have to say. And he said, I knew you were a man of God. What makes people see me in a different character? Is it because of the way I care? I mean, I was in my own... But he could see something different. Now, the reason I ask this question, do people see us for who we really are? What we hope that they'll see us? Do they see in us the testimony of righteousness? Now, here we see Lot sitting at the gate of Sodom. He didn't dare go into Sodom. He understood that inside of Sodom was wickedness. He probably even knew who it was that was of the captain of the people that were inflicted with sodomy. He knew the sodomites. And so much so that as he sat at the gate, which is a, a, a high position, you know, when you sit at the gate, you can literally have any stranger come down and hear your testimony. But when these two men came and he saw them a great distance off, he knew they were angels of God. Now, don't you wish you had opportunities to share more with the things of God? I'm going to share something with you. After I, after I was thinking about this message and already had made some mental notes and things like that that I put it down, I get a phone call last night. <laughs> and, I, and this person that I had never talked to in my life I thought it was Timothy playing a game with me this guy's name was Jeremy Michael Wheeler and then suddenly the message came on an incarcerated individual at such and such location when he came on the phone he said hello Mr. Prater and I realized right then I wanted Timothy because Timothy would never call me Mr. I hope not and he said, I was talking to Timothy, and he said, and Timothy said, Dad can set you straight in regards to the King James Bible. I had never talked to this man before. <laughs> but Timothy wanted to put me on the spot. And I'd come to the conclusion, I said, well, I'll tell you what, let me send you a couple of books. He goes, can't do it. 
the new policy in the in the state of Kentucky is that you have to go through our library and they have to accept the book or one go in. So the only recourse I have is to send them messages via email. Now, let me just point this out to you. The responsibility we have to carry out the Word of God does not in any way or fashion or form diminish itself. People have a responsibility and they're asking the question, what's the difference? Now, I'm a King James only person. Now, there's a lot of people that might say, well, why are you a King James only person? Well, it goes back to what is available or what was available to the interpreters at the time of the writing. Isn't it interesting that our New Testament was really a translation of the Texas Receptus? And there is over 5,255 copies of the Texas Receptus, but it is rejected by modern men who thinks that they can outdo God's word. But, and what are they doing? They're utilizing materials found in a trash, trash basket in Alexander, Egypt. And that is the source of their materials. I'm serious. The reality is, is that, as I got to thinking about it, our testimony is known. How many of us realize that? So when these two men came from afar off, Lot was trying to protect himself against the wickedness that is there. Now remember the question is, how do I know how much time I have left? What would I do with that one day? Now here's the thing that really struck at home. Eventually what we find is that these two angels, after they had been pressed upon by the Sodomites of that area, that they were going to destroy and that they were going to bring down Lot's house to get at these two men. The angels said to him, we have come to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Get out and take all Now I want you to get this. Go with me to chapter, the same chapter and let's go down to verse 14. 1914. And these are the hardest words I have one day left. I have one day left. And Lot went out, and he spake unto his sons-in-laws. What kind of testimony are we leaving with our children? This is a grief that I have within my heart every day. You know, it's, it's nice that people recognize me as a man of God. But do they recognize in me the man of God that stands up for a principle that was established by God? Lot distanced himself as much as he could from Son and Gomorrah. But he never, by all indication is, he never gave the same testimony to his sons. His, or his sons-in-law. Look what else it says. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Get you up out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Imagine me right now going into Huntington and saying, Unless we get out of this city, unless we leave here, Huntington is going to be destroyed. What about Charleston? Let's even go to Columbus. 
And anywhere else we might want to go and say, unless we really focus upon the things of God, God's going to destroy it. Do you realize that when we go back and look, read the book of Jonah, Jonah went to Nineveh, not because he wanted to, but God had already given a warning, saying, I'm going to And God did not destroy them for a period of time because of that repentance. These men said, you're foolish. Why should I believe? son-in-laws. He only has two daughters left and he has his wife. And these angels said, get out of the town because we can't even destroy this town unless made the statement, he goes, that he is called the just or the righteous Lot. Lot in himself knew Jesus Christ. This is the question I've got. You know for the most part I've seen that in our own congregations. But do you realize that it is not just a limit, it's not just a perception, it is a life that is changing in us. When we find that immediately that these angels had brought out the two, brought out the two daughters and the husband and wife and Lot and his wife, and they brought them out of the area, they left this command, flee to the mountains, don't look back. Who looked back? Lot's wife. That tells me something. She never received it. She never believed. And immediately upon seeing the billowing smoke of that city, she turned into a pillar of salt. I put these things down for uh, the time that I got to thinking about everything that was given. And here is where I run into an issue. We live every day with an attitude that it's going to continue on. Do you realize that when the Lord returns, we're not going to expect the Lord to return when he does show up? We have a short time, we have a small time left to us that we know that the Lord is going to return, and when he does, he's going to bring power and glory upon this earth. The dead in Christ shall rise. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them. I don't know if other people live to that time. But here's the thing that we do have confidence in. That the Lord is going to redeem This is a promise that every man, woman, and child is going to live with. In verse 27, it says, And it is appointed unto man once to die. You can take that to the bank. How many of you have ever heard the term that the only thing you can be sure of is death and taxes? 
Well, here's the reality is, we know for a fact that death is going to come. But notice that after the death comes the judgment. Do you realize immediately, when we pass from this life, we will stand before Almighty God, and we who are sheep will be escorted into holiness. Those that are goats will be escorted into hell. We don't like to mention that meaning because the fact is that so many people are so afraid that if they hear this message, that they will turn away from it. And if they turn away from it, do you realize that if they turn away from it, it takes it off our shoulders if we have warned them of the things to come? Another passage of Scripture. Let's go to the book of Job. And in the book of Job, the reason I use this particular example is because we know it so very well. But we're going to go to chapter 1. Do you realize that Satan does not have any of the powers? And, I, and this really bothers me because even preachers today want to give Satan un, uncontrolled or untapped favor. I got to think about this for a moment. I love the World Wide Web. Anyone here not disagree with me? But how many of us realize that when the World Wide Web was created, it was actually created by Satan for Satan? We've had the international, or the, the, the web has been around many, 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 many years. In fact, one of the reasons that we wanted to create the World Wide Web when I was in the military, it was already in place, and yet we were sworn to secrecy that we could not communicate about it. And now, the World Wide Web has been released, and man, isn't it wonderful? If I want to look up information, I can, just that quickly. And not everything that's on the web is right. If I want to watch a video, I can go there immediately. I can watch it. And the fast pace in which we live allows me to look at it quicker. But I want you to see that Satan wants to utilize that information, and he is dependent upon our abilities, our technology to destroy us as a church. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. If we lose our position as a small church, what does it matter? I've oftentimes thought about this. If I know that Satan is going to do everything in his power to destroy us tomorrow, what would we do? How much time is left? I got one day. What if our bank suddenly notifies us and saying there's no more money? Would we quit? Would we say that's the end? Don't be surprised when everything is taken away from us. And how do I know that? Look what it says over in the book of Job. Job was allowed to be tested of God. And in verse 7 it says this, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Now, did you notice where Satan is coming from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. In other words, Satan is limited to the earth. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? I imagine there was a full-time demon that just watched after Job. 
Now, I wonder how many of us have a full-time demon assigned to us. Do you realize that Satan knows everything about you and me and everyone else that's in here, and he knows what it's going to take to cause us to trip up? Power, glory, money. And there was such an observation made in Job that literally, as he literally made mention, as God made mention of Job, notice what Job had to say. Look at verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Is there none like unto him in the earth, a perfect man, an upright man, one that feareth God and that skeweth evil? Have you considered Job? And notice what Satan said. These are marks that evidently Job enjoyed having. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made him a hedge about him and, and about his house and all that he hath on, on every side? He hath blessed the work of his hands and his substance and the increase of the land. But put forth thine hand and touch all that you have, and he will curse thee to thy face. Let me ask you, how many of us are ready to be tested of Satan and the hedge is removed and he takes away that which is valuable to us? Who, we, who do we hold up in front of God? Is it our children? Maybe our grandchildren? What about our possessions? What if all that was taken away? Now, I know that sounds crazy. And there may be a lot of people that say, you know, you're just trying to scare us. I'm not trying to scare anybody. The reality is, this is true. And did you notice that in a moment, everything was taken from Job? And what did he do? Praise your name. Hallelujah. You have preserved me, and you saw fit for me to carry on. Even when he received the dead bodies of his children. Now, I can't, I don't know that I could handle that. There is an example that is written about the Baptists in the Piedmont Valley, and one of the examples was they had lined up a man and his children and his wife beside him, and they said, either you deny Jesus Christ, or we're going to kill the baby. And the man said, I cannot deny Christ, and they killed the baby. And that went on and on till everyone was dead, including the wife, and they came to him and said, Now, what will you do? He said, Take my life, and I shall be with Christ. And they took his life as well. I wonder, am I willing to stand up the story behind this song, Stand Up for Jesus, was a man had stood back in the 1800s and he declared against God all these things and finally he said, Is there anyone who the balcony? was one little girl and she stood up and she goes, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. And before you know it, another person stood up beside her. Lift forth his royal banner. It must not suffer loss.
And before you know it, another stood. And then another. And then another. Until the balcony all stood in singing praises. And the whole barn stood singing praises to God. And they that was standing on the stage who defied God had to quickly sneak out the back. Many years later, his daughter was sick. His daughter was sick of an unknown disease and he went outside and he said, Within the hour, he was dead of that bug bite. What about your testimony? I've been given this rare opportunity to share with other people the message of God in a powerful way. You say, but they're in prison and it only costs me the price of a stamp to reach that individual. Here's the thing that scares me. What can I do for these men when the time comes for the doors to, for them to be let out? Am I going to be ready to continue on? Are we as a church ready to continue on? We are blessed with such a valuable temple, but what's going to happen if it's taken away? Will we meet out in the street? When we tell others of Christ, what if we lose every penny we have? When we still praise God for His glory and His honor? Let me tell you something, folks. Our war is not with artificial intelligence. That's coming. That's coming. But our war is with the evil of this world. And we are the voices of righteousness. Isn't that amazing? We are the voices of righteousness and though we are being accused over and again and the Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren. And that tells me that everything I've done Satan knows about. Whether he has a demon assigned to me and he knows my weaknesses and he focuses on my weaknesses and he reports that back to Satan. And Satan Savior that stands up and says, Father, I paid that price. I paid that price. Aren't you glad? And not only that, has the price been paid, I shall be redeemed in the last moment, in the last days. When my time is up on this earth, I shall go home to be with Christ. And you know what I long for more than anything? I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that! I want to hear the price. But look how many souls have been saved. Can you imagine me entering into glory? Mom and Dad are waiting on me. Others will be waiting on me as well that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not depending upon... with Apostle Paul. I want to see Peter. I want to see Noah. I want to see Adam. I want to see them all. But you know who I want to see more than anyone? Come on. Who do I want to see? I want to see Jesus. And when I come to see Jesus, do you think I'm going to come proudly? I'm going to come in my gravel position. 
Why? Because my heart has already smote me. I don't deserve to be here. And the Bible says, every tongue, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. And you shall say, come here, son. Don't be afraid. You're home now. And in a short period of time, you shall have your glorified bodies. I shall be in glory with my Lord. What is heaven? Heaven for me is being with Jesus Christ. And I hope he allows me to lead the heavenly choir one time. <laughs> the basses, the tenors, everyone in particular. As we sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. It, wouldn't that be wonderful? Can you imagine the embrace of others who said you fought the fight? You're home. All my sins weigh me down, but I am redeemed. By blood divine, I'm redeemed. Is that you as well? You have one moment left. You have one day left. Who would you tell of Christ? Who do you want to share that with? Father, the message has been delivered, the one that I think that you've laid upon my heart. And I pray, Father, that this message might have place with everyone that is here today. For all who have heard the message, either on Facebook or on some audio preference, I'm not sure which, or those that are in attendance today, may they say with a loud victory, Jesus is mine. But Lord, let us reach the lost world to let them know that Jesus Christ is coming back ever so soon and that the fears of AI and the fears of this world are nothing but the fear of Christ and eternal damnation is everything. Help us now to be faithful unto you. Guide and bless now in the conclusion of this service for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, would you come dismiss us?